Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. In episode 30, I interview my friend Kurt Tropiano, who is a holistic high-performance coach. In this episode, we dive into really the embracing of mindfulness in the world of sports performance. We talk a lot about breath work, what a proper breath looks like, how to use tools like meditation and visualization to improve your performance and optimize recovery. There's a little treat in this episode where you will get to go through a breathwork practice yourself, and Kurt even explains the benefits of the different types of breathing techniques that he uses in the breathwork practice. So if you guys enjoy that, let me know, and I'm happy to pull that out separately as an episode. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast, Kurt. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Yeah, I am so excited that we got to connect a few weeks back. Um, You came into my world and I was like, oh, this guy specializes in breath work. We've chatted a little bit. So for listeners, um, Kurt is a high performance coach who has a specialty in breath work, but comes from the world of strength and conditioning. And then myself, I also come from the world of strength and conditioning with a uh, concentration also in yoga. So I'm also familiar with breath work. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of blend our worlds together, um, share some goods with the people and just put more uh, illumination around breath work and the benefits it provides not only to athletes but for coaches too who are having to oversee the athletes in those you know uh stressful scenarios um and and just everyday life right so let's dive into that (laughs) and welcome thank you let's do it yeah so I want to dive into your story of like how Was this something um, you saw yourself doing from like a young age or kind of when did you figure out that breathwork was your passion? Yeah, so of course it starts all the way at the beginning where my mom would teach myself, my brother and my sister how to meditate and breathe when we were kids. Uh, And this would help calm us down and, and get us ready for bed and you know help us sleep through the night because you know three kids under three we were pretty crazy and so mum would teach us this when we were young and really that lit the fire for me and lit the curiosity within me to to follow this further as I grew because being a part of that family you know my mum had a keen interest in spirituality and getting the best out of herself uh, as a human being as a soul this lifetime and you know that rubbed off on on us kids and especially me and I really, I really resonated with that even from a young age. So, you know, I would always look to look to know myself further, look to better myself as as I grew up, and you know that, that led me to teachers such as like Eckhart Tolle and you know Gabby Bernstein, you know Wayne Dwyer, all those mm, all those yeah. uh, wonderful teachers along the way. And through that journey, you know, I would learn different kinds of breath. So, for example, I'd start doing yoga and learn breathing in yoga. And then all of a sudden, I would jump into Kundalini yoga and learn a whole different style of breathing. And then following that, I would implement these these different breaths into my life and 
and see how they would feel and be a part of my daily practice and play with them and embody them. Mm. And then as I kept going along, ran into Wim Hof, who was probably the, you know, the first person to show me that, that it had a big impact on performance and, mm. and being in the, in the sport and performance world, you know, that was really, really resonated with me. And again, opened up another door of learning of what the breath can do with the body. And, yeah. you know, as, as I continued to get older, um, I went down to university and my auntie there, I found out was a holotropic breathwork facilitator. And so I would go to her and learn how to breathe and she would take me for sessions and I would go to her to release. So if I uh, was struggling at university or had broken up with my girlfriend and struggled to actually emote and as, especially as a male, but to emote and get that um, emotion out and to be able to share it mm -hmm. in a positive way, you know, I'll go see her and have a cry and have a release. And then the more I would do that, the, you know, the cool things that would come up during the session, like I would see things, I'll get clarity. Mm. Uh, I would feel deeper within my body and uh, within myself. And, you know, my auntie would then started to teach me how to facilitate and how to hold that space. And mm -hmm. then, you know, continue, continue on further, just met other, uh, other learnings through, people like Patrick McEwen and, and Dan mm -hmm. Brulé's work. And then I just realized that, you know, this is such a big part in my life and what I do. And I do it every morning when I wake up and set my day up. And I use these tools when I get anxious or when I'm stressed or nervous. It's like, well, <laughs> athletes are humans too. And I know this has <laughs> a big release, big relation into performance. And so why isn't this part of performance? You know, I used to do this when I played football. I used to go and find a little, a little spot in the change room and put some earplugs in and, and meditate and breathe, uh, you know, by myself. And, you know, was quickly labelled the weird guy on the team. But, uh, <laughs> but I know that when I did that and connected into that, that I played my best. And mm. when, I was when I was tired and when I struggled to connect, and that's when, that's when I didn't perform as well that day. So... I saw it within my life and I thought, well, enough's enough. You know, I believe in this. This needs to be, this needs to be a part of what I bring to who I work with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quite the journey there. Uh, I want to kind of pick it apart and dive into some of those pieces because there's, yeah, a lot we can discuss within it. Um, so you mentioned your mom being involved in spirituality um, and that your kind of like glimpses into breathwork were obviously through her, but also through different types of yoga practices. So where did you grow up in the States or outside the States? And I ask because uh, my experience with yoga, I did not, when I came into it, um, you know, I thought it was just like a type of fitness, essentially. And then the deeper I went into yoga teacher training, I learned more of the Eastern spiritual perspective. It started as a non-movement practice. Uh, so yeah, I'm curious uh, where you were brought up. So I grew up in a small country town called Malawa, which is in Western Australia, in Australia, on uh, in a little farming community. So it was actually... Yeah, a tiny little town with 500 people. And we were living on the farm with our cousins over the road. And that's where we grew up. 
and mm. uh, so so quite connected to to the earth to the um to the ground and yeah and had each other really yeah yeah so i guess um you know from my from my own perspective and maybe listeners will resonate with this too but yoga was kind of seen as this like religious thing or uh you know there can be stereotypes around it i suppose whereas breathwork is just breathing it's not so much a religious thing or spiritual or you know we don't have to put any types of labels on that um so yeah it's it i remember like growing up and seeing because i have a background as an athlete i remember seeing athletes they'd go up to bat in a baseball game and they'd take a deep breath before they get in the batter's box to kind of help them focus and it was like we were starting to see that there might be something to this but it wasn't there there wasn't a huge focus on it um for people to be teaching it at least from my point of view um so is that kind of the same experience you have had as you've stepped more into uh being a leader in this field yeah i mean for sure that was that would have been similar to you know australia as well when growing up and you know, definitely was seen as, I guess it wasn't even really seen as in, super important in, in performance for a while, at least what I could see. And the first time that I saw that it was really valued and important was when I did an internship in Altus, uh, which was formerly the World Athletic Centre in Phoenix, um, with Dan Paff and Stu McMillan working with track and field athletes. And that was the first time that I really saw that a holistic high performance model was was possible and how it could look because they put just as much value on developing mental resilience mm -hmm. as the athletic performance and that included meditation that included how to breathe properly and everything like that and so that was the first time i saw it and i was like oh my god it is possible there are places that you know are doing it uh, but they were few and far between from what i saw in uh, in my experience and it also showed, you know, the value that someone like myself who uh, grew up like that and, and looked at it like that uh, could add to one of these places and could bring to one of these places and, and do it my, and whoever I worked with. Yeah. So what year was that that you were working with the track and field athletes? Uh, so I was interning there and that was, oh my goodness, that was probably, it's a while ago now. That's a while ago now. It's probably <laughs> like six or seven years ago now I would say so okay. quite quite a while yeah it's interesting because I remember back when I was in college which was I remember it was 2012 so almost 10 years ago now we had um, someone who you may be familiar with Brian Kane he's a peak performance coach and he focuses on mental res resilience in sport and so he came and spoke to us as athletes around the importance of visualization, breath work, and just being able to bring yourself to that calm and centered place before you're about to perform on the field or whatever it is in life. Um, so I would say like there, there were believers in it back then, but maybe a little bit early to the game. And now that mental health is becoming more prevalent uh, collectively, there's, there's more focus on it and it's becoming more accepted as people understand it better, right? Mm, exactly, 
just bringing awareness to it, right? And understanding. Yeah, exactly. So in the world of yoga, we call breath work pranayama. Um, so I guess I'm curious to hear from you, like what are the different tools or techniques that you kind of focus on in your practice or that you like to teach others? Yeah, so in in my practice, I'll again use the tools that come up, but most of the time in in the morning, I'll use it to set myself up for the day. And so normally I'll meditate first, which will be whatever I'm whatever I'm working on or wanting to visualize on or bring into my world. And then I'll move into some breathing to uh, to lift my system up. And normally that's a bit of Wim Hof breathing uh, or some breath of fire, and that will that will, you know, tap into my sympathetic nervous system and, and sort of get me going before I go have a lift at the gym for the morning. Mm. And so prepare me for that. And, you know, that helps bring some mental clarity in, uh, especially the breath of fire will help just really clear, clear my mind because I can get quite heady at times, as I'm mm -hmm. sure most people can as well, always thinking. And, and so that's quite simply my, my uh, process in the morning or my practice in the morning. And the way I'd use it with other people and other the athletes that I work with is I'll teach them first how to breathe properly, courts, and to touch on proper breathing, what that might look like for those who, who are listening. It should be in and out through the nose. It should be effortless. So it shouldn't be noisy. It shouldn't be hard. It should be easy. It should be soft. Okay, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to move your shoulders or move your body as you're breathing. And it should be nice and slow moving down into the diaphragm all the way down filling up your belly 360 degrees then moving to your chest and then on the exhale moving from the chest all the way down to the belly exhaling out like that and that's plain and simply as it should be and it should be nose and nose for most of the time but once teaching how to breathe properly then we'll move on to uh, you know making the breaths a little bit more difficult so maybe putting in a little breath hold there so something like a triangle breath or a box breath mm. and, and teaching them how to use the four corners of the breath. And so the four corners of the breath are an inhale, an inhale hold, an exhale, and an exhale hold. And we can manipulate each corner to get a certain result that we might be looking for, whether that be bring the body up into a, a sympathetic state or bring it down into a parasympathetic rax, uh, relaxed, relaxed state, rest and digest <laughs> state. So, and, and yeah, so I'll use that as a starting point, Courtney, and then go from there and figure out if we need to develop carbon dioxide tolerance, figure out if we need to, you know, more practice in just breathing properly because the athlete's struggling to just breathe properly by lying down, you know, because, you know, if you can't breathe properly there, then, how are you going to breathe when you're on the field or doing conditioning training? And, and then what's the point, right? Weight so, on your back, pushing you down. Ex exactly. So that needs to be done first and foremost and really, really honed in. And then I'll move, move from there, courses as, as needed. Awesome. And it's such an interesting thing because the breath, it seems so simple, yet we can modulate it so much for a specific outcome. Um, one thing specifically from my experience with breath work in yoga teacher training was that 
it was so focused on coming down, right? Like getting into that parasympathetic state and meditation. And it was always about working through trauma and just calming ourselves, resting and digesting. So that was really like the, the way that I would use breath work was to get me into that state. Um, but you mentioned Wim Hof and I think, I believe some of our listeners probably will be familiar with his work too, because he's pretty popular nowadays, but he focuses on the breath as an upper and how it can be used to enhance performance by increasing heart rate and getting you any more alert, ready to fight or flight state. <laughs> um, so I love that you touch on the, the directions it can go because it's, I, I guess what I'm trying to explain is that I felt like with yoga and maybe some yogis who are listening will resonate that if we are increasing the heart rate and the breath rate, getting into that sympathetic state, that that's bad, but it's, it's not like parasympathetic is the only one. I think it's just a useful tool to learn how to downregulate because society is so fast paced, always so busy. Um, and it's kind of easy to achieve that sympathetic state in our modern lives. Yeah. And that's, and that's a fair point as well, Courtney. And it's neither, it's neither good nor bad. It just needs, there just needs to be awareness of what's needed. So for example, in my last role in, in Shanghai, working with the women's handball team, I would have them for a lot of sessions in the afternoon. Uh, but what that looked like was them having lunch and then going for an hour, hour and a half nap and then rolling into the gym straight out of bed. So in that situation, they've just been sleeping and eating, rest and digesting for the last hour and a half. They're a bit sluggish. They've already trained in the morning as well. So I you know, would use that to tap into the sympathetic nervous system to get them, to get them up, awake, alert, and ready for, for the session instead of them dragging their feet through the warm-up, you know, finally getting awake, maybe by the end, you know, taking your first couple of sets to get going, you know, using the breath to really awaken the system, to really get them back, connected back into their body and even use it to also help them set intentions for the session and really ground them in into what needs to be done for, for the session and what they want to get out of it. But uh, using the breath for that direction as well. And also to warm them up for the session. If you're doing a conditioning session as well, it's warming up the, the respiratory and pulmonary systems so it's a, the perfect warm-up to do for, do for them. So um, that's how I would use it. And it wouldn't have to be long. It might be five or seven minutes for breathing and then finishing off with you know, 10 minutes of, of movement. But yeah, it's all situational. And then mm. right at the end, you know, before they leave the gym, it's, it's uh, breathing for recovery as part of that. Mm. And, you know, that's where we tap into the parasympathetic breaths that'll bring them down so that they can leave the gym recovering. So it's, it's all about how you use it and uh, where you use it and be, being aware of, of when you need it. Just yeah. like, you know, you through, throughout the day, if you start to feel yourself getting anxious and stressed, then it is time. You are probably in your sympathetic. You need to come back to your, your parasympathetic and being just having the tools to be able to do both and being mm. aware of both. Absolutely. Like you said, awareness is key. Um, one point I want to piggyback on about at the end of the sessions, allowing yourself to come down into that parasympathetic state, not only does it pull you into more of like a restful state, but also it's just a chance to 
bring gratitude to yourself for dedicating the time to take care of your body, take care of your mind, and for the ability of what your body is able to do. Because, you know, athletes, they can be pretty tough on their bodies, pushing it to try and achieve peak performance. And it's important to stay in the state of gratitude for all that you are able to do while trying to constantly accomplish more. Yeah, fantastic quotes. And I, yeah, again, wanted to touch on that point as well of bringing that awareness back to your body in during that recovery state as well, because using that time to, to breathe and relax and to sink in and use it as a little scan to check in how you're feeling, how's your body feeling, how's your energy feeling, you know, how are you feeling? And to be able to really relax and let go of, of, any, uh, of any stress and any tension that you've had in the session. And, mm. and that's, that can be done simply uh, by lying down and just focusing on the breath, or it can be done by through stretching as well and really intentionally breathing into the muscles and holding that for a breath count of three. And, and then when you, as you exhale, relaxing it further and just really bringing that intent into it cause right because the more you bring intent and awareness to it uh, the more it'll shift and change yeah absolutely and it doesn't have to take long like you said like I know a lot of athletes want to focus on the the hard work part because that's what gets results but it's also the recovery aspect is so important too and so even if it's just five ten minutes of stretching or just mindful body scanning after the session that can uh, really do wonders for the longevity of an athlete's career. Um, and even someone who's not an athlete, like I said, just bringing more appreciation into that practice. <laughs> Couldn't agree more quotes. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so you mentioned that you did this practice, you know, growing up playing football uh what were some of the reactions you got did you have coaches who were like who were teaching you these things too or were you just getting stares from people yeah so I started bringing it bringing this into my football practice which is Australian rules football by the way so okay. if you don't know what that is put it in YouTube but uh I actually started getting into it with my coach I've been working with a a Rishi who is uh, yeah Arishi for the last 11 years and as part of that you know we started implementing this before football to to build my energy up before games and so can you explain what Arishi is yeah he is and like an an Indian like an Indian guru okay that's simply kind of the Indian guru who works like with, a monk works with no, I mean, kind of, but not really, but works with, <laughs> works with energy. I mean, um, yeah, who works with energy on a deeper level and uh, quite, a, quite a cosmic level, really, with the depth that he goes into. So, okay. and so very grateful to have uh, been working with him for the last 11 years. And, but he was, you know, instrumental in bringing that into, you know, playing sport and per, part of the preparation for that. And, yeah, so I would go up and just find a, find a little space and um, there wasn't a lot of space in those change rooms in that time, but go sneak into the meeting room and stuff. And, you know, it's, uh, it just became, you know, Troppo doing his, 
his weird thing before before games. And uh, you know, if I played well, I mean, no, nobody cares if you play well, right? So uh, just let him let him go do his thing. But you know, that was uh, you know part of what made me feel feel a little different in in certain change rooms that I was in because you know I wasn't playing to you know have have drinks with the boys after the games and things like that I was playing to playing with purpose to try and get the best out of myself uh, on game day and you know carried that through even when I played in in lower levels towards the end of of my playing career Um, you know and that that was sort of the difference and I felt a little a little that difference within change rooms because you know a lot of the time there is that culture um, in in many places that you step into and you know so sometimes I felt a little um, a little little left out a little weird you know but yeah um, I always knew that that was true to me and um, yeah and that was what was true for me and uh, I'm and yeah and that would help bring awareness to other guys as well really when they come up and ask what I was doing that's awesome. And that's so important to, if it works for you, stick with it. Uh, that's something I like to tell clients too. And it's just, um, it's important to reflect on patterns in your life of like what's, what works for your specific journey. So I think that's really important that you stayed in integrity instead of just shying away from something because of like weird looks you were getting from other people around you. Yeah, I mean it's hard. It's hard to do as well, of course, when you're young, right? And you're going through college, and you know you're so much. Uh, you know, you wonder who's looking at you, and so much worried about your self worth and all that sort of stuff you go through during that time. But you know, it, it, yeah, I was lucky that I was. It was never another option, you know, for mm-hmm. me. Was, yeah. So, and especially growing up, you know, growing up on that spiritual side of things as well, and it just got stronger over time, and. I was just who I am. Yeah. And, and the fact that you had the accountability, I would say too, of the people around you, um, your mother, your guides or mentors or whatever, that definitely helps too. Yeah. And they're always supporting. Yeah. So, so you touched on visualization. I'm curious how, do you kind of see these as two separate things or one and the same? Yeah, I, I do see them as two separate things to a certain to a certain degree. To a certain yeah. degree. I'll yeah, I'll often, for example, if I for example, if I want to manifest something in particular, if I want to get myself into a particular state, then I'll I visualize that particular thing, whether that be a home, a space, uh, how I want to show up, things like that. Um, but other things like working on myself and my energy. I might be focusing on things like expanding my heart or expanding my chakra and mm. things like that. So that's how I speak about them interchangeably a little bit, you know, so a little bit different, but obviously they can they coexist. Yeah. yeah, they, And they do. So I'm curious to hear how you've interpreted or not interpreted incorporated uh, visualization into what you teach athletes because um, I've been a huge believer in it for so long. Um, I played softball in college and just found it so, so helpful if I was going up to bat and I was kind of visualizing like the pitch that I wanted um, and kind of know like where where does the pitch need to be in order for me to swing. 
then, you know, it usually went pretty well in my favor. But if I went up to that visualizing, like, I hope I don't strike out and I'm in that like negative energy of like what I don't want to happen, then I usually ended up striking out. <laughs> uh, same thing with, yeah, powerlifting. I've competed in powerlifting and I definitely use uh, visualization and like sensory meditation in a way too, to really put myself into particular states to bring about the result I wanted. So yeah, I'd love to hear more from you of how you incorporate that. Yeah, so how I incorporate that with my athletes. And so, for example, as part of the warm-up, I'll incorporate some of that in as part of the warm-up because it depends how many touch points I get with the athletes. But if I don't get many outside of the training, I'm going to put that in training and I'm going to use that at the start and at the end. So for me, as part of that warm-up, there might be that bit of breathing and at the start of that breathing where we're grounding into ourselves and uh, you know focusing on what needs to be done in the session, et cetera. I will guide them back into, you know, what it is, what it feels like for them when they're playing at their best. What does it look like? How does it feel? How are they moving? You know, how does it feel like when they're, when everything is going their way and they're just feeling in it and doing their absolute best and really just trying to pump up their feeling. And that's hard to do in Chinese. And that's hard to do when you don't speak a lick of Chinese. So that needed to be very specific. That needed to be very short, sharp and specific. Wow. And, uh, did, did your athletes... Were they able to speak any English or understand? Some, some yes. And sometimes I'd have a translator. Sometimes I wouldn't. But ah. by the time I got into rhythm, you know, it's just short and sharp. And it's actually taught me how to keep things short, sharp, and that we, we speak too much. And yeah. this is, I know this is, this is a podcast and I'm probably talking a lot, but, you know, <laughs> we, we tend to coach too much and we, we talk too much. And so I would put it at the start like that. And then I'd also bring it into the end when they're recovering and they're laying down and they're relaxing and they're feeling their body and then take them back to that and how they're feeling they're performing well. And then I get specific with their sports. So I was coaching the, some athlete, uh, baseball athletes as well. <laughs> and just speaking to, for example, the pitches on uh, what's it feel like to be on that mound and feeling the mound beneath them, you know, and what's their, What's their, what's their trigger to have them be in the present moment? And that might be taking a breath. That may be touching their cap, touching their glove, and then they're in it. And just trying to teach them little things like that and how it feels when they're just up there with confidence, when they know they're going to strike them out and holding that and teaching that little by little. And so that's how I would get it in and touch points like that. And when I work with Athens one-on-one in, in a space like this, and then we can dive much deeper into it and really put it into, into their routines in their day and on game day and yeah, and so on. Yeah, I love that. And um, it just makes me so excited, honestly, because like I had coaches growing up who just didn't really believe in this stuff. And it was just such a bummer to me because like, it worked so well for me. I just wanted others to be able to um, be able to utilize the, the practice and see the benefit as well. Um, but yeah, the uh, so just to share my own background as well, um, I had an injury. So, uh, let's see, 2018, I had a surgery on my labrum and my hip. And so I bring that up because 
visualization can be such a powerful practice coming out of an injured state of just going through the mental reps of, of what you want to be doing to kind of help condition you back into uh, a primed state. So is that another way that you incorporate the practice? Yeah, and I'd even, I was even, one of my good friends was a physiotherapist out working with me in my last role and just speaking to him about it. And he's, you know, very open-minded and interested in, you know, in this and his experience, many breathwork sessions with me along the way. And he would see the power of it. But speaking to him about when an athlete's on the table and they're sore and or they might be injured, but to use their breath to, to breathe into that area and then incorporate that bit of visualization like white light, white healing light or pink healing light or, you know, pinky green healing light from the heart and breathing it into the muscle, you know, and feeling it and giving it love and sending it love, you know, and, and then putting that in athlete speak that they're not mm -hmm. going to be like, you know, this is great. Right. You know? This is soft. <laughs> so, so obviously you need to find that buy-in, right? But yeah. uh, basically long story short, like that. So putting it in, in, in a way like that. So long story short, yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, just being able to tap into the energy of like healing and feeling the, the, the difference, right? Compared to injuries can sometimes feel tense and constrictive and just like blockage almost. I mean, it depends on the injury, but um, yeah, being able to teach athletes and guide them of how to uh bring a different presence to that specific area to change that physiological state. I think that's super important. <laughs> yeah, because look, we we don't even tap into, you know, 5% of the possibilities that are out there, courts in, in being able to heal ourselves, being able to be in that quantum state, you know, and if we can bring a fraction of that into the field, then I think it's going to do really good things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm curious, you talked about holotropic breath work. You talked about box breathing. You've talked about, oh, was it three-point breath or triangle breath? Yeah, that's one, triangle breath. Um, do you want to go into more detail? Uh, I guess, um, sorry. <laughs> I, I always say to students in yoga and in meditation practices, like, I can tell you all about the benefits of meditation, but really it's best for you to just experience yourself to be able to really understand. Um, so for the listeners, I would love for you to take us through maybe one of your favorite breathwork practices so that mm. they can get a taste of, you know, the possibilities that this can open up for them if they include it in their athletic journey or just you know life journey yeah fantastic so let's do a little one that i might do in the morning for example so i i think one of the most important breath and breathing exercises that we can do is the heart resonance breathing points and that's you know breathing in for 5.5 seconds and breathing out for 5.5 seconds and really and holding that count, you know, for, you know, a couple of minutes. So we're going to try that now. And then we're going to move to, and then we're going to move to a quicker breath. Maybe like a, uh, we're going to go to a box breath. That'll be 
nice for everyone to experience. And then I'm going to finish off with a harder breath, which might be a little, a little bit of Wim Hof breathing that will you know, awaken the system a bit more. So, and for, for those that are new to breathing, so to those that want to make sure that they're breathing properly, I would just say right now, if you're not driving, you know, make sure you're not and sitting up in a nice comfortable spot, have one hand on your chest, one hand on your stomach and have your eyes closed. Because when we have our eyes closed, we take our attention inwards and we start to feel. So here, from this position here, we're gonna breathe in and out through our nose. Okay, but we're gonna breathe for a count of around six and then we're gonna breathe out for six. Now, just before we start, it's gonna be hard to breathe out for six seconds if you can't constrict the back of your throat and make an ocean noise, an ocean breath sound. And so what that sounds like, it might sound like your Darth Vader speaking like him or like an ocean, but for an example, this is how it's gonna sound. So you're gonna constrict the back of your throat and you're gonna exhale out and it's gonna help control the length of your exhales. So for example, breathing in, breathing out here, And making that sound to the back of your back of your throat will help you control for six seconds and really slow that breath down. Okay, so hands on chest, hands on the belly, and we're going to breathe in for five seconds. One, two, three, four, five, and exhale. One, two, three, four. Five, inhale, one, two, three, four, five, and exhale, one, two, three, four, five, inhale, one, two, three, four, five, exhale. Four, five, inhale. Five, exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Very good. Now we're gonna to switch to a box breath. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna inhale for three seconds. We're gonna hold for three seconds. We're gonna exhale for three seconds and hold for three seconds. So we're going to start in three, two, one. Ready? Inhale. One, two, three. Hold. Two, three. Exhale. Two, three. And hold. Two, three. Inhale. Two, 
three, hold, two, three, exhale, two, three, and hold, two, three. Again, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, inhale. Hold, exhale, hold, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, beautiful. And now we're going to move into a bit of Wim Hof breathing. So we're going to take a and this is where we use our mouth, okay? So when we're using our mouth, we're tapping into the sympathetic, so we're waking our body up. So we're gonna take 30 breaths in through our nose and out through our mouth, and then we're gonna hold on the 30th breath. And we're gonna do this together. Okay, so three, two, one, inhale through nose, exhale through the mouth. Ten. Six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Big one. Inhale, exhale, and hold at the bottom. And you're going to hold for as long as you feel comfortable to hold for. but I want you to bring your intention into your body and relax it. So most of the time when we hold, we don't hold that in, in that tension, that intention of Ugh, not letting go, but relax into it. And feel your body relax, feel yourself being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And when you need to breathe, take a big breath in through your nose, and relax that out into your body.
And in that space, when you're holding, you can really tap back into your body. You can tap back into you. And as well as being a nice challenge to, to see how long you can hold for, you know, over a multiple length of time, you know, it's really nice just to be able to ground back into yourself and to gain that clarity back into your mind and your body. And as Courtney keeps holding because she's a gun at this, I'll just run past, run through why I did what I did. So the first breath or heart resonance breathing, that, that tempo of breathing has been shown to increase heart rate variability, okay, which is really important too. So the different, the different lengths and beats of our heart and that builds resilience in our system and you know, it taps you back into your heart. And when you're in your heart, that's where you that's where you manifest. That's when you show up strong in the world. That's when you're soft with us, soft and strong with others. You know, that's you know, that's your that's your motor, that's your heartbeat. And so tapping in back in in there is so important to to be able to ground yourself back in and a really good way to bring yourself down back into a, a nice rest and digest state. So I like to really start with that to really set and ground um, depending on what we're working on. And, and that would be where I might throw in some, some work on visualization. And then moving into the box breathing, that's a really nice way, again, to control anxiety with the breath holds in there, but also tap into some carbon dioxide tolerance training as well. So carbon dioxide is actually signals the, the body to breathe. It's not a lack of oxygen, but more the buildup of carbon dioxide. And so if we have a poor tolerance, then we're gonna to wanna to breathe over breathe when we don't need to basically the body it's gonna you're gonna walk up the stairs and the body's gonna be like oh, i need to breathe i need to breathe but really you're absolutely fine so that's a nice way to start working into that in uh, and building up those tolerance with holds and in the box we did it for three seconds which is a nice place to start but you can take that out for as long as you can when you start really getting used to it you can push it out to four seconds five seconds six seconds you know, when you start getting the feel of it. And the last one, the Wim Hof breathing, you know, that's to awaken the system. If, if you had the chance to feel your body and notice how it was feeling, you know, I know for me that I started to get sweaty. I uh, started to get a little clammy. I started to get hot. You know, so it really just started to awaken the system and, uh, and get me ready to, to do what I need to do, fight or flight, to train, to go about my day, to, yeah. To, to attack the day with vigor. So that's why I did what I did. And you can, once again, you can do a, a thousand different combinations, but I'll normally follow that sort of tack in when I work with, with people in, in warm-ups and whatever they need. Yeah, beautiful. So powerful to be able to tap into those states. So thank you so much for guiding me through it and for the listeners to be able to have that treat for themselves to um, being able to just tap into that space that you mentioned of clarity um, and just being, right? Uh, yeah, and getting out of our heads, courts. You know, we spend so much time thinking and on 
you know, on our phones, on our computers, on speaking, you know, just get out of your head and back into your body because yeah. that's, you know, the body, we neglect it so much and it, it tells us so much by how, how it feels. Yeah, yeah. That's another reason why I asked where you were raised because you have this background in embodiment, which I think now in the Western world is becoming more prevalent. But I know for myself speaking and for you know others I grew up with, embodiment was not talked about at all in our sports or school or whatever. So again, just the collective mental health increasing and being able to um, be able to take better care of ourselves essentially so yeah one thing I wanted to touch on around that came up for me during the breathwork practice that I want to remind the listeners of um, is just not forcing the breath I, I think you may have touched on that but I remember when I was teaching regular yoga classes and meditation that students would come up to me after saying that they felt more stress doing the breathwork session because I'm cueing them. Okay. Inhale. Okay. Exhale. And it was too long or too quick. And it wasn't at their particular rhythm of, you know, what felt natural to them. So I think that's really important to stay mindful of. And I'm sure you've probably experienced that too with your athletes. Yeah. And you know, everyone likes it in a different way. And it's just being aware, again, bring that awareness into what you need. Because sometimes, because sometimes some people need a little kick in the behind to, to maybe hold that faster rhythm because what that, what's that actually going to do is, for example, in the Wim Hof breath, is it may bring up emotions that maybe they don't want to deal with as well. So, yes, your point is absolutely correct. And there is also bring you back to awareness because that's a holotropic breath work right we breathe in and out through the mouth in a rhythmic cycle for a long period of time and that will help actually tap into the emotions and bring them out and sometimes or a lot of the time when we tap into our breath you know that's when we start to feel again and so sometimes there's emotions there that maybe the person does not want to come up and sometimes maybe they're just not honoring themselves and they are trying to go too quick so a little bit of both mm. of course. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's, uh, yeah, and we can even go deeper saying those emotions or states that do come up that you don't want to experience, you don't have to label them as bad. So there's always layers to it, right? A hundred percent, but you might not be resisting them if you think they're, they're good courts <laughs> yeah yeah this is true this is true but you don't have to label them yes you don't have to label them exactly exactly have to honor them. <laughs> exactly um so i'm curious to hear like what have been things that you've heard reflected back at you from athletes and clients that you've worked with of like what kind of changes has incorporating breath work and a visualization, everything that you teach, what has that done in their own lives? Like your, maybe your favorite testimonials or yeah, what stands out to you? Um, well, I, I do love my holotropic breath work. And, you know, through in, in China, I was hosting a lot of you know, men's groups and women's, women's breath work sessions. And I think one of my favorite ones that, that came up was that 
um, it actually helped clear, helped a, a woman clear the space within her uh, to get pregnant. And, uh. and so just to be a part of holding that space so that she could clear what she needed to clear within her, um, yeah, it made me, you know, it made me very, very teary and very, very proud of just showing up and, and being there to facilitate that space. And so that was, that was one of my favorites, but you know, the amount that of people that just tap into releasing stress and anxiety or releasing things that maybe they, they didn't know how to deal with and, and past traumas that have come up and, and even just being able to slow down and get rest with, um, with breathing is, uh, is some of the feedback that I get and, you know, really in a way softening men enough to be able to feel mm. you know, is, a, is, a, is, a one, is another one that comes up and holding that space for men to feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable and in allowing that, uh, the emotion to come out because, uh, you know, men have a hard time with that. And so that's, that's what's come up from there. And, and with the athletes, it's really given them a new perspective and really given them tools on things that they can use in game, in sessions, you know, in, as well as within their life that help them, you know, become and stay present in the moment in what they do and, and in their performance, which, you know, has a, has a flow on effect to their life. So, yeah. and uh, it's something I, you know, I love and I'm super passionate about courts as, as part of performance and uh, and yeah I really love it yeah well it definitely comes through in the work that you do um that that's amazing just the I, I feel like I keep saying the power of the breath but it is it's so powerful to not only help athletes with better performance but um who are just humans too um but really to be able to clear the emotional space for like the woman you mentioned that you work with. Um, do you wanna maybe talk a little bit more about like the men's groups and, and other work you've done outside of just working with athletes? Yeah, so in, in Shanghai, I, and this always always starts from you first, right, Courts? Like I, I got pregnant with my partner quite, quite early on in our relationship and things were shifting and changing and moving in China. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm lucky that I grew up being aware of myself, aware of my emotions and stuff, because there was a, a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of pressure, a lot of um, a big things happening in my life. And one day I stopped and thought, I was like, you know, I'm I'm lucky I have these tools. Otherwise, I'd be, you know, I'd be in, I'd be in trouble. And then I thought, look, a lot of other men go through this. A lot of other men have a hard time, you know, actually speaking about what's going on in their lives. And so. Um, I, I got the got the feeling to start start a men's group in China, and you know it didn't happen straight away because you know I questioned my worth and you know I can't how I start a men's group in China, <laughs> and so but they happened one month and then I can't do it now because we're moving and then the next month come it's like you need to start a men's group oh I can't do it now I'm starting a new job and then <laughs> finally I ran ran out of excuses three months later I was like no I'm just doing it and uh, <laughs> and so we started with six men. And uh, now we've got a group of 60 in, in the group. And it, my intention with starting that was that it was a place that men could come to, to basically allow themselves to feel a safe space where they could release and just talk about what was going on in their lives, good, bad or other, and have that space 
you know, clear, strong and, and supportive enough that they could, you know, tap into a bit of vulnerability and, and share what's going on because, and be real, of course, and, mm. actually, and be real. So not need to go to the pub and talk shit with someone over a beer. And mm-hmm. but actually talk about what was going on and be be real, as well as learning new tools, learning and experiences and new things together. And so, um, in my in my time there in person, organised you know holotropic breathwork sessions, uh, meditation sessions. We did uh, cold water therapy. We did mm-hmm. a trip to the U- UFC PI in Shanghai to do you know Wim Hof style breathing and um, therapy and stuff like that. We had a, a men's health our sex expert come in and speak to the group, you know, all these things. And we did it together uh, to facilitate that learning and cacao journeys and, and things like that to, to help expose and expose the men to different modalities and different ways to, to show up in the world if they so choose. And um, since being away from Shanghai and currently in Canada at the moment, been running a lot of uh, online, online stuff for them, but certainly miss it in person. It's yeah. certainly miss it in person, but have been getting my uh, holotropic breathwork fixes here in, in Montreal by, you know, getting out and uh, experiencing a few of them, hosting a few workshops. So I had my second one on the, on the weekend, which was nice. So, um, yeah, so that's what I've been uh, doing a little bit about courts in, in the world. And, um, you know, all this stuff just really, really lights my soul up. Yeah, beautiful. Just the importance of the community I want to touch on. Um, and doing the men's group, I don't know if retreat is the right word for what you did exactly, but just being able to share all of that together, I think is so powerful, especially in person. Um, I'm curious because a lot of people that listen to this podcast are either people who are, you know, on the verge of following their passion or trying to figure it out what it is that they want to do. They're like higher calling. So as you were kind of getting those nudges and making up excuses, um, I want to dive a little further into what was that process like? Were you, do you feel like the opportunities began to kind of just attract to you once you decided to take that step forward? Exactly, Courts. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Once I showed up, you know, once I showed up, you know, six guys came to the first one and then I showed up and just showed up as me. Right. It's like, and I made a promise to myself that no matter how many guys showed up, that I was going to, you know, give it my all, be my all, be my true self and be completely vulnerable because that's what I wanted to bring in the space. And I did. And I was. And all of a sudden, you know, that turned, that six turned into 12 and that 12 turned into 18. And, you know, it slept, it kept on going out there because I showed up, but not only because I showed up, but I showed up authentically. I, I showed up. And I even, I even felt into it and I was like, look, do I want to charge for this event at the start? And I was like, I thought I had, I had a price and I was like, no, no, I just want to give and I just want to show up. And this is, this is how I'm going to go about this one. This is what feels right. And so I honored that course and I got rewarded because, you know, from doing it with a men's group, they all had partners and friends and stuff and they all told their partners and friends and they're mm-hmm. like, Kurt, we need to do women's stuff. It's okay, great. And I'm going to charge for my services for the women's side of things. And it, it just came back around and more people would come. And, you know, I didn't have to, I never advertised once. I never, you know, went out of my way to do that because I didn't need to. 
but it's all because I showed up authentically. And that was, that was scary as hell. We, we all experienced that. But if you don't, when you show up, the universe meets you. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I love that. You just showed up authentically and gave from a place of service, knowing that like when I'm open to giving, I'm also you know, there's an exchange you're able to receive too. And that came right back around to you. And I think it's so important for people to hear who feel called for, you know, chasing their passion or whatever it is they call it, their calling. Um, Cause it can be so scary to get past that first step. Like you were saying like, oh, I'm not ready for this, blah, blah, blah. But once you do it, it's like, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Courts. And, you know, you never, you look back and you think, yeah, exactly. Why didn't I do this sooner? And it's like, it wasn't that, it wasn't that big a stretch. You know, it wasn't that big a stretch, really. You know, you, I've been doing this all my life. And all I did was share it with people. Not that hard. We just make it hard because we're getting our heads and we're getting our way. Yeah, absolutely. That's simple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to thank you for being the leader in this in this work and going first and doing the work on yourself since you've been a kid and I, I just I want to share with athletes like the importance of this right because yes it's important to eat the right things and take care of ourselves nutritionally it's important to exercise and you know hire a fitness coach to help us to move better but like breath work and like what you do in your men's group, um, helping men to feel into their emotions and understand their mental health better and their sexual health and all of these things. Yeah, I just want to thank you for being a leader and providing a safe space to kind of carve the way for uh, other people to invest in themselves and grow too. Thank you, Courts. I, I receive it and I appreciate it. I've been working on receiving lately, Courtney, so I really appreciate it. I'll take that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to share around the work that you do? Um, we've touched on like what you do with athletes, what you've done kind of outside the world of athletes. Anything else you want to share with listeners? No, I just, I just like to say if uh, if anyone's interested in in uh, more of what I do, then just uh, reach out and find me. I'm always happy to have conversations around it and, and to teach around it and to share around it. So uh, as I hope you can tell, it's it's my passion and uh, I want to bring bring more awareness into the world. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I guess I, I am curious to hear a couple more things. One, books you would recommend to listeners, maybe within this uh, realm or even outside of it, because everything is connected in my opinion. So yeah, book recommendations. Oh my God. There's so many good book recommendations. Uh, in, in, in terms of breathing, I would say Breathe by Dan Brulé. I think that should be in every, every high school, every school, everyone should read it. Breathe by Dan Brulé. Uh, and on a more athletic, uh, a more athletic book would be Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McEwen. Uh, these guys are doing wonderful work in in the field, and you know, of, of course, the the Iceman Wim, Wim Hof as well, and any of his stuff. But uh, also books 
you know, books around, you know, yourself and, you know, that side of things as well. I mean, I, I love like the book of mastery and the, the trilogy series within that. Um, it's a bit more of a heavier read, but, you know, I picked that up and uh, when I started reading that, I was just like, ah, oh, this is just truth. And so um, that's by Paul Selly. And, you know, I always, always loved any of, any of like Gabby Bernstein stuff, any of uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle stuff. You know, I really, really enjoyed that. But whatever resonates, whatever resonates for you within that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, look at that. But love those ones. And going through the, the other series of Paul at the moment. So just truth. I love truth. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to link those in, sh in the show notes for people in case they want to reference them or purchase them. Um, so thank you for sharing. And then I guess my last question is, what do you think is on the horizon for you? If you're open to sharing, uh, oh. kind of where are you headed next? Well, that's a great idea because we, and what we, I mean, myself, my wife, and my daughter are in full transition period at the moment. So after living in China, we're now in Montreal uh, with Natasha's family and we haven't decided where we're going next, whether that be Australia, whether that be somewhere else. And for me personally, you know, I in the next, and let's just put it on the podcast right here, Courts, in the next, you know, seven to 10 years, I want to open up my own center, my own, my own holistic performance center and, that be including, you know, including your SNC work with performance breathing, with meditation, with cognition work, you know, with um, you know, Reiki teachers, with mm -hmm. all the good stuff, with yoga, with acupuncture, and uh, all being in one center for performance. And so, next seven to ten years, uh, listeners hear that, universe hear that. That's where <laughs> that's where I'm moving, that's where I'm moving towards, and. And yeah, that's, that's what lights me up. That's what gets me excited. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm excited to see it come to fruition for you. Thank you. Thanks, Courts. And one last thing I'll say is uh, if you're curious about breathing, practice it, feel it, try different breaths, see what resonates with you at the time. You know, some, some may resonate with you for a certain time, then move on. But just get curious around it and, and try and just try it for yourself and see how it feels for you. Yeah, that's perfect. And then lastly, where can people find you online if they do want to learn more? Yeah, so the best place to find me would be on Instagram, and that's kurt.tropiano, so K-U-R-T dot T-R-O-P-I-A-N-O. And that's where I do most of my stuff on, on Instagram and most accessible to find me. Perfect. Well, I will link that as well in the show notes. And yeah, just... It was an honor speaking with you and thank you again so much for being on the show. Courtney, privilege to be here and lovely chatting to you. We could probably talk for another couple of hours on this. So <laughs> really, I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have to do another uh, before <laughs> the performance institution opens up. hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Sounds good. We'll take care, Kurt. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of future episodes. Our goal with this podcast is to help guide you to your highest self and instill the confidence, courage, and clarity 
to go after your passion and purpose. If that sounds up your alley, be sure to follow us along on Instagram for weekly content. To get exclusive access to discounts, freebies, and know the latest happening in the POA fam, be sure to join our mailing list on our website where you will receive a free guided meditation to guide you to your highest self. And finally, I send out our mailing list POA subscribers a little kickstart to their week on Mondays. And this is just five tips um, around things I've been reading, using, and loving in my world that help me perform at my highest potential, help me to show up as my highest self. And so if that's something you're interested in getting, again, be sure to subscribe. It's been a pleasure to have you here and I thank you so much and I will see you again on the next episode.